Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning that we can gather together and worship you. Pray that you be honored and glorified in all that we do. God, we pray that you would enjoy the praises that we send you as your people, as your church, as we gather with Christians around the world, worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Truly you are great. Great are you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I encourage you to greet those around you before you have a seat this morning. Tony, let me get you the, whoa, nice shirt. Hey, nice shirt. Yeah. Yours is almost as wrinkly as mine. Mm. Must have been. Andre, stand up. Nice shirt, man. Oh, iron. What's going on here? Yeah, the note on this shirt this morning said, wear this, don't ask any questions. As it was hanging in the closet. So I obeyed. Welcome to Maranatha. Uh, we're so glad that you're with us. I'm Pastor Tony. I work with the youth here at Maranatha. We have a few announcements, um, some exciting things happening, and uh, just uh, glad to be together worshiping this morning. So you may have noticed there's some decorations in the building today. Starting tomorrow is our VBS. And so Pastor Aaron and crew, yeah. It is an exciting ministry where the whole church kind of partners together, people with all sorts of different gifts and talents and passions. And so, yeah, Pastor Aaron and his team have been working hard uh, preparing for this, and uh, we're excited. So if you have uh, neighbors or kids or grandkids of your own, um, you know, any, any kids that your kids know, that sort of thing, it's not too late to invite them to come and join us. It is one of our outreach ministries. We very much want it to be a ministry where people who aren't connected with our church or especially people who aren't connected with any church um, could, could bring their kids here and they could hear the gospel, the good news, message of Jesus Christ, and have a lot of fun in the process. Pastor Aaron has put together a little prayer sheet, a little card here. If you didn't see that on the welcome, or on the, not on the welcome desk, but on the little table where the bulletins are as you come in, uh, it has something that you can be praying for each day this week, especially if you're not able to be involved physically helping out, but if you want to be a prayer warrior, we highly value that. So grab one of those on your way out. Uh, a few weeks, or a few months back, we had a marriage challenge, um, encouraging and challenging married couples to be intentional in going on dates together, maybe doing a Bible study or a marriage book study together to just invest in our marriages. Marriages are constantly being attacked and we need to just encourage couples. And so that's what we've done. Uh, the deadline for turning in your record of your dates was uh, June 4th and we have compiled those and Michelle put together a little one and a half minute video with the drawing, so there's going to be there's a drawing for three prizes. So the the recipients do not know yet 
that they have won. I have not announced it, to the, so they're going to, if they're here, they will find out right now. So watch the short little video of the drawing. Congratulations to those who won. So I will be contacting you and coordinating for, for uh, the details of your prizes. Um, you know, we, you probably couldn't see from there who the names were on the actual wheel, but every entry you did, so people got their names on there multiple times if they did multiple dates. So, so every date, twice a month, you could do that. In a marriage study, you got you additional entries as well. So some people's names were entered in there. One of the couples who had some of the most entries, who had pers participated to the fullest, uh, were Mike and Joy Vogel, and they, their name was missed just by a fraction twice. So I might, I might, uh, I don't know, get you a candy bar or something. So, but that was a fun, fun time to do, uh, just a fun season to just encourage each other. And I pray that you uh, don't stop going on dates. Enjoy uh, your time together, investing in your marriages. We also have a couple of other announcements here. Men's canoe trip uh, from, is going to be on July 22nd. That's down the Red Cedar uh, meeting at Shudlick Park from 1 to 5 p.m. on July 22nd. You can sign up online for that. This is a photo from last year's trip, I believe. And uh, the Maranatha website, either on the homepage or also on the men's ministry page, either page you can go and you can sign up and register for that if you'd like to join us. Again, it's just a one-day trip. Snacks are provided, and they also will have some extra canoes and kayaks available. So, even, so if you don't have your own, feel free to still sign up and come and have some time together as men enjoying God's creation. And then our, uh, uh, we want to celebrate uh, something that happened recently. Men's ministry has a lot of different things going on. And recently, the group of men uh, went out to Baltimore area, Baltimore, Maryland area, for a men on mission trip where they're working on a construction project. I think we have some photos uh, of, the, of the time that they spent out there. So Ben Bay and uh, who, who else from Maranatha? 
Okay, so Blake and Sean and, and then uh, one of their fathers came as well and joined uh, together with men from all over the place, right, gathering together and doing this construction project. So this is something that uh, Ben has participated in for a number of years. If it's something that you might be interested for a future year, it's likely going to be an opportunity moving forward as well. Uh, it's a neat time, I'm sure, to bond together as men, um, using power tools. I mean, what's a better, better way to spend time together than that? And uh, blessing yeah, the kingdom of God, um, building um, churches, I believe, is what you've been working on, or other buildings for ministries and helping out with that. So um, that was an, a great, great opportunity for them to, to participate together in that. And as you know, today is Father's Day, and so we have a video to uh, celebrate Father's Day as well before Pastor Cody comes up to preach the word this morning. Hello, so you ready to be taken down. Do you have a favorite superhero? Yep, he's the best. Nuh-uh, my superhero is the best. What can your superhero do? My superhero isn't afraid of anything. Whenever they need it. He even helps cats. Help! My cat is stuck in the tree! in the day, nothing is impossible for my superhero to defeat. wants to teach me to be a superhero just like him. You are an expert in God's law. What does God say? Love God with all of your heart and your neighbor as yourself. You're right. Do that and you'll have eternal life. 
Unlike some superheroes, mine knows where his powers come from. Hey, Dad! My favorite superhero isn't Superman or Batman or Wolverine or Iron Man. My favorite superhero is better than all of those combined. <laughs> my favorite superhero is my dad. Mine too. Heads <laughs> up! <laughs> Who's ready for a water balloon fight? Amen. In fact, let's take a moment and pray for our dads that are here. So if you're a dad, would you stand up? Awesome. All right, join me in prayer. Father God, there are many responsibilities that we have as image bearers of you. And for the men who are standing right now, we ask that their love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insights so that you may be able that they may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Guide them, protect them, use them in their families, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was going to wear my shirt, but it's a little silky for me. That may distract me when I'm preaching the word. All right. Today's the day. Today we look at one of the most famous verses in Scripture, and for me it's my life verse. So this is one I've been anticipating for a while. Today's the day. And it's one of those passages that we need to tuck deep into our soul and live it out. So if you take your Bibles and go to Philippians chapter 1, and what we're going to do is we're going to briefly cover this passage here, this section, and we're going to, out of this, answer two important questions. These are some of the most important questions we must think about as we think of the future. There's many important questions. These are two of them as we think of the future. One deals with fear, and the other deals with purpose, our purpose in life. So before we begin, join me in prayer. Father, we do ask that today as we look at this passage that your spirit would churn and move and do your work, Lord, that you have appointed for this moment. This, oh, this is the passage. So guide us, we pray. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Often you hear me say this, this is the most important one I'm preaching this is it. If I ever say this one's not, then I'm in trouble, right? All right. When I was a kid, 
There were many things I feared as a little boy. One was going to school. I don't know, I just hated going. How many of you do not like going to school? I just did not like going to school. But above all, one of my greatest fears were snakes. I hate snakes. I won't even talk about much because I had a little bit of I just don't like snakes. In fact, pray for Pastor Tony. They're thinking about getting a pet snake. They're crazy. Ugh. All right, let's talk about fluffy things like bunnies or something. I don't know. I feared snakes and still do. In fact, here's an embarrassing thing. On our honeymoon, just got married. I'm just, you know, I'm this great, awesome husband. We're walking through the state park, and a snake scissored, you know, went across the path, and I screamed. I almost jumped into her arms. Ah! My voice went high, and she looked at me like, who did I marry? I went off running. Ugh. Yet on many charts, the number one fear, and you've maybe heard of this, is public speaking. People don't like getting in front of people and public speaking. They, you know, they clam up, they get afraid, and they just, they don't like that. But did you know the number one fear of public speakers, listen to this, the number one fear of public speakers is that no one would show up. That's their fear. Yet also on the list of fears, Another number one, and this is probably, I would say, the number one fear of everyone is, here it is, death. Anybody here want to die today? Didn't think so. We, we fear death. People don't like to talk about death. I find that often when, we're, when I'm dealing with funerals and getting ready for that, people don't like to talk about death. Why is it that we fear death? I'm not talking about the suffering and the pain that coincides with death. That's something we fear. We don't want to have some kind of physical ailment that will lead us to death of a lot, you know, years of suffering and pain. We don't want that. I'm not talking about that fear. But I do find it interesting, listen to this, that many Christians have a fear of death. And hopefully as we go into Scripture today, hopefully you'll be like, you're right, we shouldn't fear death. So we'll deal with that question after we go through this passage. The second question is this, what is the main purpose of your life? What is it that you are living for? This is very important. Your purpose is your why. And we see this often in who we do it for. Often as I sit back and I watch people, they live for themselves, they're doing things for themselves, they're doing it for them. We'll look at this passage today and answer these questions. So first let's look at the situation of Paul as he describes his present situation, which I'm going to go into a little bit what Pastor Aaron, he covered the, the end, he finished up at verse 20, so I'm going to look at the end of verse 20 here. We're going to go Philippians 1, 20, the end of 20 into 26. His present situation and his possible future. And then his resolve that he comes to and his expectation found at the end of this little section here. So let's look at the passage, walk briefly through it, and then we're going to look at these two questions, what we fear and our purpose, his current situation. Two weeks ago, Pastor Aaron shared about the situation, seeing the importance of the Apostle Paul and his priority of the gospel message. 
as Pastor Aaron said, situations do not determine the gospel outcomes and the advancement of the gospel. No matter what the situation, the gospel still will happen. And if you missed that sermon, I encourage you, go online. It may ruffle your feathers, which is good. Keeping the main focus on the gospel is what we should be about, not our own personal agendas. Your job is to be a part of God's work in the church family in gospel proclamation. And for Paul, his suffering, his current situation was subordinate to the declaration of the gospel. Then he shares his main goal in life. What's his main ambition? What is he ultimately all about? And his ambition is Christ's glory. So let's look at the end of 20 into verse 21. So that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether it's by life, or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Here Paul lays his heart open and reveals his ultimate motives and purpose of his life. This is his main goal in life, knowing that he's been made for God's glory. Look at it again. So that now is and always... Christ be exalted in my body, whether I'm living or I'm dead. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It doesn't matter if he lives or dies. Christ will be glorified. And we see at the end of verse 20 this great statement. And then he explains, he kind of reveals what's happening here in this statement. So the sub-goal in Paul's present situation is the advancement of the gospel. And that's what Pastor Aaron shared. That's his sub-goal, if you could call it that. But his main goal in life and his ambition is that Christ be exalted and glorified in all things. Or stated differently, his true goal is the glory of Christ. His true present feelings are presented in this very important verse, which is my life verse, verse 21. It's two short, powerful little statements, little sentences, two-word sentences in verse 21, translated literally, to live, Christ, to die, gain. Paul expects to live. But the totality of his life, all that he can live for, is summed up in Christ. To live is Christ. Nothing else matters in life. He's been saved by no one but Christ, so he must live for no one but Christ. In fact, the primary image in the prison epistles is that everything Paul is and does is done in Christ, showing this union he has with Christ. He is bound with Christ in life and also in death. And he finds all its meaning in Christ. And his death will also portray that. And in this, he acknowledges this tension of his heart then. 
This constraint, this unbearable tension between his personal desire, I'd rather be with Christ, and his pastoral duty, i got to keep living for the church. So his desire is a difficult choice, life or death. Look at verses 22 and following. If I'm going to live in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to part and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. To go on means fruitful labor for the church. He understands that. And that's what he's called to do. But to depart, verse 23, is far better. And that's what Paul is saying. When Paul thinks about this personally, he prefers to be sent home to be with God. His true family, the saints up in heaven. When he thinks about this strategically, though, the church still needs him. So we went back and forth between the two. He realized it's better to stay for the church in Philippi and all the others that he's caring for. Life means to stay. Fulfill the pastoral duties to those people he's caring for. And he believes the Lord will enable him to live on and carry out these duties. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, the whole purpose, look at this, so that way me being with you, you're boasting in Christ Jesus, you're glorifying, you're bringing fame to his name, will abound on account of me expectation that he's going to remain and out of that his life will help them glorify the lord more and more in fact when i was going through this passage i remember and maybe stacy can help confirm this with me every funeral that i did with pastor paul green you remember pastor paul green he would often go yep i'd rather be home let's get this done lord but he knew he had to stay. So now let's look at these questions. I want to bring application to this passage here. What is your main purpose and goal in your life? And I want to distinguish what we could call the main or ultimate goal. What's your ultimate goal in life in comparison to secondary goals or subordinate goals, okay? Let me give you a few examples of what this looks like. Imagine if I have a sick child, okay? I have a sick child. This is fictitious here. Imagine if I have a sick child, and it goes beyond my capability of Band-Aids and an aspirin, okay? The fever's there. Whatever it is, I realize this is more than what your typical dad can deal with. I need to take them to the hospital. So going to the hospital... Getting them to the ER, checking them in. Getting them to see a doctor and a nurse to care for them. Getting them, my child, the right medications. Those are all important. Finding the proper 
proper care is very important. Those are serious goals I need to do. My driving to the hospital, that's my goal right there, to get to the hospital, to see the doctor, to get the medications. Yet those are subordinate goals. Those are secondary compared to my number one goal. My number one goal isn't just to get to the hospital and get like a nice little jello cup or something they would give me. My number one goal isn't just to see the doctor. My number one goal is that my child gets healthy again, right? I have subordinate goals that I need to fulfill, which are very important, but my ultimate main goal is getting my child healthy again. Let me give you another example distinguishing between main goals and subordinate goals. Out of this great book, Let the Nations Be Glad on Missions by John Piper. He begins with this powerful paragraph. I think I got it on the screen here. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. That's a subordinate goal. That's a secondary goal. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It's temporary and necessary, but worship abides forever. You get that? Well, we'll do missions, but it's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is that people worship Christ. So what are the Apostle Paul's goals? He had many goals. Visiting churches, longing to see them. That's what he says in some of his letters. Preaching the gospel. Those are great, noteworthy goals. Yet these are all subordinate to the main goal. What was his main goal? Jesus Christ was the all-consuming passion of his life. Jesus Christ was the foundation of all they did. It was all, he had the singular focus on Jesus Christ. Thus his ultimate goal was to magnify Christ. Bring glory to God, make great and celebrate and declare and worship the beauty of Christ. That's his ultimate goal. And that is to be our goal, is to bring glory to the Lord, to worship him, to magnify him, to exalt him. Let me give you some verses here. Psalm 115 verse 1. It's one of my main verses of my life. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Amen? John 3.30. Get these verses down. He must increase, I must decrease. Isaiah 43, verse 7. Here's the Lord speaking. Everyone who is called by my name, look at this. Whom I created, why are we created? For his glory. Ephesians 1.12. In order that we, why were we saved? Why he's taught, Paul's talking about this great salvation we have. In order that we who were first to believe might be for the praise of his glory. Or is church history? Let me give you two examples out of church history. The final of the five solas. Soli Deo Gloria. 
to God alone be the glory. Our salvation is by grace alone. Thus, God alone receives all the glory. There's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. So out of our salvation, God gets all the glory. Since he's the author and finisher of our salvation, then he alone is the one to be magnified for his sovereign grace in our salvation. Or in church history, I got a couple big books called here, The Creeds of Christendom. Here's out of the Westminster Confession of Faith. I always call it the Winchester Confession of Faith because I like lever actions. Famous one, what is the chief end of man? What's the number one purpose? What's our main goal? What's the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Amen? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. In all that we do, God's fame alone is our ultimate goal. Let me show you, and I encourage you to get this book. This is one of the top five books I've ever read. It's really a two-part book. The first part here is John Piper explaining Jonathan Edwards' great treatise. He wrote, a thing, he wrote something called The End for Which God Created the World. The ultimate reason, the end, the goal for which God created the universe. So half of it is John Piper explaining this very hard-to-read old English writing of Jonathan Edwards. In fact, every page I have something underlined in here. This, got to get this book. In fact, let me read this here, just here. Of all the things, there are nothing else except to be the heart of exalting, magnifying, or glorifying God. The very reason that God exists is for the glory of himself. The object of our happiness is God. And our happiness is God's happiness. No greater happiness can be conceived worshiping and glorifying God. So what does this look like? Well, let's look again at Paul, the Apostle Paul. He wanted to live for Christ in all that he did. Even in doing subordinate goals, like preaching the gospel, visiting the people, raising funds for the churches in Jerusalem. They were all about pointing to the main goal for me to live as Christ, to bring glory to him in all that he did. So as he traveled as a missionary on a missionary journey, it was on Christ's job for me to live as Christ. If he wrote a letter to encourage or correct a certain church within a certain city, it was Christ's word he was giving for me to live as Christ. If he suffered, it was Christ's service for me to live as Christ. If he preached, Christ was the theme for me to live as Christ. In Cody's life, <clears throat> for me to live as Christ, bringing glory to him in all that I do. What does this look like? I want you here at the church 
to see and hear Christ in my preaching and service as your pastor, to live as Christ. I want God's design of my mouth and taste buds to glorify God as I eat meat lovers pizza, drink root beer, I can still glorify God in that. Or in August when we have sweet corn. I can glorify the Lord with my taste buds. He didn't just give me one taste bud for sweet and one for sour and one for salt. You know, we're to glorify God even in what we eat. I want my friends in, my, in this county here to see the character of Christ in my actions and my attitude for me to live as Christ. As we buried the ashes of Officer Emily yesterday, I wanted the family to see the compassion of Christ for me to live as Christ. Here's ways to live that out and think of that. As you know, I've been working on this. I got this nice fancy thing so it stands out next to my nightstand. These are things I'm thankful for, right? Every day I'm writing things I'm thankful for. I even got root beer on here, one of these things, of course. Rock climbing and root beer. That was a great, join us, the youth group. So I'm going through these things I'm thankful for, but then I realized I do so much that are subordinate to the main purpose. I need to start writing those on. So what I've done is, on the back part, to the glory of God alone. I use one of those big fat Sharpies I used to sniff. How many used to do that? Dad, just raise your hand. Be proud. <laughs> That's why we're not writing in the, in the, in the head. <clears throat> This is my number one goal. Now this week, I'm going to start writing down subordinate goals. Love my family. Care for my children. Mow the lawn. I can glorify God doing that, doing the different duties I have while fulfilling this ultimate goal. All I do is for the glory of God. So now I'm going to fill this book up of all the different things I can do to glorify God that falls under the main one here, does that make sense? I will make a list of subordinate goals. I want to live for Christ by doing these things. I want to glorify God by doing these things. Christ will be glorified in my life. Galatians chapter 2.20. I'm talking about my favorite verse, for me to live as Christ dies again. Pastor Aaron's favorite verse, if I recall, is Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ... And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. My life is about living for Christ. Christ will be glorified in my life. And also, he'll be glorified in my death. And here's what Paul examines and the outcome of each possibility. Death means I depart and be with Christ. And that is true gain. So let's conclude by talking about the last question that we are looking at. We're talk about death, something we don't want to talk about. In fact, I said, how many here want to die today? No one rose their hand. Because we think about the suffering and the pain. Not that you'll raise your hands all at the end here and say yes, but let's think about this biblically. For most people, the greatest fear is death. We also equate death with all the suffering that comes with it. We fear the most what we could lose the most. A lot of our fears are based upon what we could lose. 
our life. There's a famous study done by a nurse who met with many people in hospice. Top five regrets of the dying. Here's a list of them. I wish I had the courage to live to be my true self instead of letting other people tell me how I should live. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I had the courage to express my feelings and love to others. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish that I had let myself be happier. True happiness is found in glorifying the Lord. And the way to magnify God in death is by meaning death as gain. The glory of Christ is magnified when our hearts are more satisfied in him than what death takes from us. In fact, out of this, Edward's writing, John Piper has written here, I got it here, it says this. He's got like 15 things that we glorify the Lord in. He says this, the way to magnify God in death is meeting death by gain. Paul says his passion was that Christ be exalted in his body, whether by life and death. And then he added the words to show how Christ can be exalted in his death. For me, to live is Christ. To die is gain. Philippians 1, 20 through 21. Christ is shown as great when death is seen as gain. The reason for this is plain. The glory of Christ is magnified when our hearts are more satisfied in him than all that death would take from us. We count death as gain because it brings us closer to Christ. And he continues to write. Death is gain. For the Christian, death has a different meaning. Death is gain. Not that we should be seeking death, but that the true meaning of death for us is gain. God has given us, every person, a will to live, a desire to remain, to be with my family, to care for my family, to do the work God's called me to do, to love others, and doing his work as long as possible, yes. But for the Christian, it is very important to see what truly death means. It constitutes a transition upwardly to eternal life and joy we will be with god forever and all of our sorrow and hardship will be done away with revelation 21 death is gain we should anticipate death with joy because it's gain i wish i could tell you that death will be easy for you i, I can't it may not be for most of you, but I'm here to tell you that it's for your gain for those who are in Christ. We may fear the suffering and pain of death, which is true, but for the Christian, death is gain. Because of being with the one who saved us and gave us life and who we are living for each day, we can't wait to be with him, amen? Christ should be glorified in your life and all that you do. Make sure that everything you do is for the glory of God, not for yourself, it's for the fame of his name. And in your death, it will be for his glory also. So here are my final words to you. None of you 
are dead right now. That may change in a few hours. For real. So, since you have this allotted amount of time, God is the one who's appointed your time. It might be a few hours, it might be a few months, years, or decades. Live for Christ, amen? Live so others see Christ in you, so people around you will see your good works and glorify him in the end. That's our main purpose. So you still have time this moment to live for Christ. How many of you, in a biblical sense, would like to die today? <laughs> I would. Oh, I've, trust me, I live in the greatest state of the union. I've got the greatest job. My family, I love so much, I just want to kiss them all the time. My girls are getting old enough, I can't kiss them now. <laughs> I love Wisconsin. I love what I do. But nothing compares to that moment when we see him face to face. Amen? Oh, for me to live is Christ. I fail at times. That's my ultimate purpose is to glorify, to live so he is glorified. And when I see him face to face, that will be wonderful to die as gain. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you. We thank you that you saved us. We thank you that we know that we are to live for you so others see you in us. So whatever job that we have, may we glorify you. And may you be glorified. And I confess, unfortunately, in America, we're at this horrible situation in churches where we have celebrity pastors, where people glorify pastors more than they do you that's disgusting may you increase may we Now, we have faith in you. We haven't seen you yet, but we love you, as First Peter says, and we long for that day to see you face to face. This we pray in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.